What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Michael, what's going on? Oh, Derek, my tongue's a tingling. We are staged for part two of Derek's honeymoon, so I'm excited for that. We'll quickly just dive into the um, business sponsors. Queen City Creative Works, thank you so much for your continued partnership slash sponsorship. We appreciate you. They are an Etsy shop on Roids. If you want custom branded coasters, feel free to go onto their website, queencitycreativeworks.com. Scroll down to their homepage and hit buy now for Buffalo Happy Hour items. You can then pick up a bunch of different things. But um, Queen City, thank you so much, honestly, because you do do a lot. And I know you like using our logo to uh, R&D and do some testing. So thank you for that because it's a lot of fun for us as well. Addies, thank you so much for your logo. As always, we appreciate that. And uh, Derek, for part two of the episode, it'll be heavy for your honeymoon trip that I just wanted to dabble on because there's so many different elements that you experienced, but I do have a useless fact that is not pertaining to your honeymoon literally at all. So I'm just going to pull that up quickly, but Oh yeah, I love that. How's your uh how's your tongue doing? Cuz what are we drinking for the episode part 1 and 2? We're drinking Lagavulin uh Nick Offerman edition charred cask 11 years. This is his third iteration of his partnership with Lagavulin, which we're going to talk about in today's episode because that has been and will always be the most memorable moment from a trip that I've ever had because Lagavulin has always been my favorite scotch whiskey for the most part ever since we started drinking whiskey. Belvini has crept up into it and has actually taken number one because that's more of a daily sipper for me. But Lagavulin has always been on the top of my list. So we'll talk about that. Uh, in today's episode. Michael, what's the use of fact? In 1992, what a year, huh? Hell yeah. What a year. A man named Stefan Mandel won a $27,036,142 jackpot. Six second prizes, 132 third prizes, and 135 minor prizes in a single lottery. By buying every single possible combination, over 5.5 million tickets, all 44 U.S. states with lotteries have since changed their laws to prevent this. 
Really? Yeah. So the dude scammed the system basically by buying every single combination in one. Yes. How much did he spend on buying every single combination? Fantastic question. Don't know the answer to that. So they changed the laws then to hey, so how many can you buy? Listen, it takes money to make money, am I right? <laughs> right? And they're just like, bro, you're not no no no, this is the one and done. Changes change the laws, we're not doing that. Like so, I mean, I do have a side question, not to derail the entire episode, but like what was that conversation with all forty four states that have lotteries? You all sit down in the same room, okay. How do we track these people from buying every single combo? That's the first step, right? Essentially. So, how do you like? What did they do? And does that violate any rights that someone has? I mean, I would assume so. Like, how are you going to tell me I can't spend five point five million on buying every single combination just to make like six mil? How much did he make again? He earned five point five mil by buying every combo. Yeah, the dude probably spent like twelve hundred. No, I think it would be more than that, right? Well, I don't know, dude. How much is a lottery ticket? But jackpot, winning the jackpot right now is like billions. Well, right, but how much is a ticket to win that billion? I don't know, but if you only won 5.5 million... A power play ticket, dude, is not that much money. But if you only won... I don't think you understand how many combinations there are. Well, yeah, but... If you only won 5.5 million and the jackpot's 5 billion, that means you spent... $4.5 $4.5 billion. Like, that's insane. I don't know. Every ticket's a, less than $1.50. But there's so many combinations. I, yeah. That dude had mad money. What is it? What is that for? Like, you got to do the exclamation mark for the calculation. I don't know. I'm so far past that in my life. That or, like, there's a carrot involved because there's, like, multiple yeah. numbers after that. It's, like, 1,000 exclamation mark. Yeah. It's too much. X, X, I, what, what is it called? I I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. So it it doesn't matter. It does not. We're going to dive into your honeymoon. All right. So Studio Pup is still here for all those wondering about uh, episode one. Oh, yeah. Studio Pup is still here because we're still recording. No, back up. Then. Yeah. So no, no. we talked last week about my stays in Inverness and Edinburgh with my wife for our honeymoon. If you're interested in those two cities. Wow. Definitely recommend it. I guess the mic out. is not. No, the mic's like, just like, dude, can you just stop talking? Because nobody cares. But if you're interested in those two cities and are staying in Marajamor, you can go back and check that out because we did talk a lot about that. One thing we didn't talk about was the special surprise that uh, the travel agency, Harley, would up that she booked for us, which was a awesome spa experience. And I'm not necessarily one for massages because I don't take care of myself like that, even though I probably should. But... I walked into this massage parlor and or spa or whatever, and they're like, go sit in a tub for an hour and then come back because we need you loose. I'm like, okay. So then I walk back inside, and there's two women there. One of them is taller and, and kind of not, not bigger, but like bigger. She can survive a winter. She, she can survive a winter. Hell yeah. And there is like a four foot four Brazilian chick. And. The bigger one goes with Gina. Yes, bro. I know. That's amazing. I know. Because we are, I oh, I can't even say what I want to say right now because <laughs> there's family listening. Yeah, Deshaun's super excited right now. <laughs> that's so, what I'm talking about. I'm like, I've seen this movie before. That's my, dude, that's our type, bro. Yeah. I'm just going to say that's our type. <laughs> Small and petite, make me feel safe and strong. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, I've seen this movie before. Gina's like, I don't get the joke. And I'm like, it's fine. I'll play when you're older. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. So this chick's like, all right, I'm going to be your your masseuse today or massage therapist or whatever today. And I'm like, okay, let's crush this. 
so she's like, light, medium, or hard? And I'm like, first of all, pause. Pause. <laughs> Hell yeah. I like where this is going. You just started with this story. Part two coming in hot, son. Part two coming. This is Patreon exclusive. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so I'm like, yeah, I've seen this movie before, but let's go hard. And no, I actually said medium because I'm, I'm, what are you ordering a steak? Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, everyone has their own version of like what a lot of pressure feels like. And I want to make sure that they understand where they're coming from first. Keep drinking Lagavulin, bro. I can't do that. It's Lagavulin 11, bro. I yeah. can't do that to you. Keep doing it. I, I want to get rid of this bottle. Why? Because I, I need more room on the shelf. We'll talk about it today. Keep drinking this, though. It's, it's already half empty. We need to finish her off. Pause. We're at a quarter. Yeah. So you need to finish her off. Okay. Anyway, so. what? Okay, scale of one to ten. Yep. This chick like an absolute smoke, or is she just a random 4-4 Brazilian with, like, weird teeth? She's a random 4-4 Brazilian with kind of weird teeth. Okay. So it, it, it wasn't like this is a fantasy of mine, you know? This is kind of like, I've seen this movie before. I got to take it. It ends in divorce, and I, I need to behave. Well, I've, I mean, yeah, and you're on your honeymoon, so the last thing you're thinking about is is that because you, you're yeah, you're correct. fine. Yeah, but for like, comedic effect for this episode, correct. But like, I mean, I'm gonna me and you got to go to Poland. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> but yeah, so she started going nuts. That's I'm talking. Yeah, hell talk it, about hell it. Oh yeah, pause. <laughs> so she starts going hard, and. It, like I'm, I'm phased out, and I don't do, I don't do massages. I've done one in my life, and it was a couple's massage, which isn't necessarily a massage. It's more of like an intimate moment with your partner to experience stress relief together. That's kind of like the best way to say it because it's not deep tissue. It's not really doing anything for you. It's just kind of like a sensual experience that you can experience with your partner. Would you agree with that? No. Couples massage, really? Yeah, because when I get a couples massage, I you got to remember, dude, you, you know who my dad is. So when I book a couples massage, I'm like, we want a couples massage. We want to be in the same room. It'll be cool. It's us. You know, we're going to have fun. And they're like, okay, sounds good. I'm like, what available, what available dates do you have? And it's always months out. And she's like, what kind of massage are you looking for? And I'm like, we both need deep tissue massages. Like, we just want to be in the same room, but we're there for a purpose. So, like, I'm telling them specific things. I'm like, I don't want, I don't want shiatsu. I don't want hot stone. I don't want light pressure. I don't want a sports massage. Like, I need, I need a deep tissue, get, get these kinks out. And then me and my wife are going to be groaning in this room. And then when we're done, give me the biscuit, the little, little cookie. And I'm just going to start pounding water. Yeah. Like, but I'm very, like, I know what's going on, but I've also had a dad who's a licensed massage yeah. therapist for over a decade, so he's he's, so, he's showing me the ropes. Yeah. So in short, you would agree with me that a basic couples massage massage oh, well, is useless. Yeah. 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 I, well, yeah. Okay, if it's so, light tissue, it's useless. So that was my first experience with a massage. You and, finally got a deep tissue, huh? And it finally got a deep tissue. Thoughts? Loved it. Right. It's super sore the next day. Hundred percent. Yeah. Drink a lot of water. Yep. But, so I wasn't necessarily understanding like the culture because I don't really relax. Like that's not who I am as a person. They come out and they're like, take your shoes off, put on these slips, drink this cucumber water. We'll see you in an hour. And I was just not expecting that. But so this this chick like starts going hard on my back and she uses her elbow because she's forty pounds soaking wet and she needs as much pressure on a certain point of her body to help me being two twenty that I am. So she goes hard like in between 
my like spine and my scapula. And she goes, you're tight. I'm like, yeah, because I've had 30 years of just a pent up aggression and I'm constantly shrugging my shoulders because I just have all this stress. And she goes, you need more massages. I'm like, this is the encouragement I need in life because I'm stressed. And she's just going hard and she's breaking down all these like knots in my back. And she's saying, is this too hard? I'm like, just keep going. I don't care what you have to do, sweetheart, but just keep going. And then she keeps putting stuff on her hand and like putting it under my like where I'm breathing. Yes. She's like, just relax. Like I've seen this movie before. I loved every second of it. So yeah, I was thinking like the entire massage was awesome, but that that did, happened full body. Did she hit your hammies? No, it was just like a, a neck, shoulders, <sighs> back, and glutes. How long have you ever had a glute massage? Yes, yes. It was the best thing I've ever had in my life. You know how much tension you have in those upper part of those gluteys? Yeah, especially where it attaches right to the base of your lumbar. A lot happening down there. A lot happening down there. Yeah. Wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. Loved every second of it. Yeah, Colleen and I always hammer, because I'll use the gun on her, and then she uses it on me. It's oh, a joint. Oh, Theragun? Yeah. It, yeah, we go, we go full Chris Benoit. But she'll um, she'll hit in between my, my scapula, is the word you were trying to say, Derek, my shoulder blade. What did I say? You said shoulder blade. Oh, yeah. It's your scapula. And my spine. So she'll hit that area, she'll hit my lats, and then my upper trap, and then she'll always hit my lower lumbar, where it essentially meets my glutes, and it just opens everything up. The other big thing is the inversion table. When I bought that, I mean, that's, dude, that's a game changer. Every time you come over, you got to hit that thing. Three minutes. I'd love to. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I'm glad you had the spa experience, and then was it like lavender, or was it like a... Um, yeah, it was like a lavender blend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but she's just like she like put her hand on the back of my head. Yeah, like, talk about softly, it. Mm-hmm. And then she just put this underneath, and she's like, "Breathe." I'm like, "Is this chloroform?" Or like, "What are you doing to me?" I've seen this movie before. That's all that kept going through my mind is I've seen this movie before. <laughs> yeah. Gina again was like, "I don't get the reference." I'm like, "I'll tell you later." So that I we didn't touch about that, but that was in Edinburgh. That any, was at the last. Any day. honeymoon treats? Any chocolates, any, like, oh, free yeah. drinks? Every single place was full of fudge. They just kept bringing, they're like, do you want a turndown service? I'm like, I don't know what this means. I stay home, and when I go to a hotel, it's like a red roof inn where I'm getting AIDS. So can you, like, explain <laughs> this turndown service to me? And she's like, I just come in and make your bed yeah, fix ready up the sheets. for you for bedtime. Yeah. I'm like, I do that myself. What do you mean you do that? This is a service that is offered in high-end hotels? I don't understand this. Yeah, welcome, bro. Welcome to what white people enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Big facts. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, I wasn't expecting that. So she comes up and she like knocks at my door at first. And she's like, I'm here for a turndown service. I'm like, turn down for what? But Oh, she, God. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening right now. I don't get turned down service. But then that happened in the beginning of the trip, which we're talking about right now. So that first that first engagement, I'm like, I don't know what this means. You need to help me understand this. And she was taken aback by my lack of knowledge of exorbitant yeah, she, things. Yeah, she's like, what are you, poor? And I'm like, yeah. 
That's why I'm here. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Do you offer a turn on service at uh, the Red Roof Inn? Because no, you don't. Uh, but yeah, that was that was cool. They would always just bring fudge, and they're they're like, "Congratulations on your honeymoon. Here's some more fudge." And I just found out that I really love fudge when I was there. <laughs> fudge and cappuccinos. Yeah. So you went to Lagavulin. Yeah. Let's let's hammer your distillery tours. Okay. What was your so, first distillery tour? So we first got there. We we flew into Glasgow and then or we flew into Edinburgh. Then we took a uh, a car. So the first half yesterday's episode we went kind of backwards from Edinburgh to Inverness. Now we're gonna start when I actually arrived in Scotland because that's when all the fun takes place. So we flew into Edinburgh and then we took a personal car down to Glasgow where we spent the rest of the night there. And early that next morning, we flew out to Isla. So Isla is an island off of the west coast of Scotland, if you guys haven't found that out already. Isla is the home to peated scotch. So if you're new here to the whiskey world and you're just tuning in because you're super interested in hearing about my honeymoon, which thank you so much. But Isla is the home for all the peated scotch. That's where Lagavulin, Lafroig, Ardbeg, Burahaben, Brooklady, uh, all those super peated scotches are. And again, luckily, I'll say this again, that I'm just super fortunate that I found a wife that actually appreciates this aspect of my interest, because if she didn't, then this would not have been fun for her whatsoever. But we got to Glasgow, we flew in, and this dude, his name was Callum, and he owns a tuk-tuk business. This tuk-tuk business, if you're familiar with the term, it originated in India, where it is these basically moped-like travel cars that have plastic sides on them and you're basically just rolling around 30 miles an hour on this moped with this dude in front of you just driving you everywhere Callum was the highlight of our trip I talk about all the experiences this particular dude was our favorite part of the trip that's awesome he was so cool so when Gene and I went We've always been infatuated with Scottish culture and understanding how people live there. And when you when you do that, you want to hear the accent, right? Like the accent is what makes you feel like you're somewhere else. Right. Everybody from Buffalo has that annoying accent like you and I have where it's, it's the A's and like all that annoying part. Scottish accent is so guttural, or at least what I associate with the Scottish accent. It's very like harsh and... Sometimes difficult to understand. That, from what I've understood, is very centralized around Glasgow. The Glaswegians, that's what they call themselves, have that Scottish accent that you're looking for when you hear the typical Scottish accent. That's in Glasgow. Hmm. The other areas have more of a French and English um, influence, so they're not as harsh as Glasgow, and they're a little bit more kind of a, a Scottish aspect of an English accent, if that makes sense. So Glasgow and Isla are kind of where a lot of those harsh accents are, which is what Gina and I were looking for. So Callum, he meets us in the Isla airport and just comes hard off the rip with his super Glaswegian accent because he's from Glasgow. And Gina and I immediately fall in love. We're like, I love this dude. He, I want him to be our father. Can you adopt us? That's basically what we said to him. So he's just driving us around in this little tuk-tuk, and he brings us to this Glenigadale house, which is this apartment house. It's like a four-bedroom, 
five-star hotel that's off of the airport, super close, but there's only two planes that go into Isla every day. That's it. So, and they're like 20-seaters, so it's not a big airport at all. When you go from Glasgow to Isla, you are like one of 20 passengers. It's super cool. It's two on one side, one on the other. Super small plane. I thought I was going to die. It's a prop plane. Never flown on one of those before. So we get to Glenagadale House. Those are the exact <laughs> planes we used the entire way to Tennessee. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Little Super small planes? planes. Oh, yeah. How? Yeah. I, I don't know. That's it was, uh, it was United Airlines. They were small. You flew a prop plane to Tennessee? Yeah. It was Buffalo to D.C., D.C. to Knoxville, and they were both two seats on one side, one seat on the other. That was it. Small. Like wor- That's shocking to worried me. about is my suitcase too big? Yeah, I only have a suitcase. Is it gonna fit? Like, yeah, small plane. Yeah. So go on. That's crazy. Yeah. So Isla was the highlight of our trip because of the whiskey. The first day that we got there, we went to Kilhoman and we went to Kalila. Kalila, I've had before. So for everybody listening, because you don't, it's not pronounced the same way that it's spelled. So, Kalila is C-O-A-L-I-L-A. I have one of my one of my goals the entire time that I was in Scotland was I wanted to get a um, Glencairn class glass for every distillery that I visited. So, that's what I did. And try flying a plane with 17 pounds of glass because they ask questions. But Kalila was one of the first distilleries that we went to. We had a distillery tour at every single place that I have basically in front of me. And I've had Kalila before. It's very peaty. Um, it's right on the nor- like more northern coast of Scotland, whereas Lagavulin and the Froig and Ardbeg are on the southern coast. And Kalila has easily become one of my favorite distilleries just because of the way that they do things. I will say, though, being over there, there is a different culture in Scotland around whiskey. They eat, sleep, and breathe whiskey, whereas here in the States, we like to think we do with bourbon, but we don't. You go to a townie bar in Buffalo, and you'll see Bullet, you'll mm-hmm. see Knob Creek, and you'll see Crown Royal and maybe some Jack and... Um, it's just Jim Beam. Yeah, Jim Beam and stuff like that. Like It's very surface level. You go to a town bar in anywhere in Scotland, there's 70 options of different Scots that you can choose from. Every single place. That's why I was so able to get 40 different whiskeys on this trip because we went to this place in uh, Inverness called Hootenannies, which is a town bar where they have live music. They had Dalmore 15 cigar malt. I'm like, okay, can I get like two of that, please? Because I want that. It's a completely different culture there when it comes to whiskey. And they treat it like you would order a craft beer here. Mm-hmm. They have Guinness. They have other Scottish beer, which, beers, which we did try. But most of it's just whiskey. Like, you just order whiskey when you're there, which was so cool to me. How, being, was, how did Gina do? She did great because she just all ordered whiskey the entire time. She loved it. I love that we both converted our wives I into know. being whiskey girls. And now they're, like, pretentious over it, where they're like, is that Hartman's? Like, yeah, okay, I can drink that. Is that Hartman's next to Bullet? I could never drink Bullet. Right. So yesterday we met with Harley to kind of recap our trip, Yeah. which we'll talk about a little bit later, but I ordered Gina a penicillin cocktail, which is a scotch cocktail. It's a blended scotch and an Isla scotch, like, a float on top, and I ordered a whiskey sour. They're not the same drink, but they're kind of the same drink. It's a sour, it's a... Like a little bit sour from the lemon. Any and it's egg? An egg white, yeah, in okay. both of them. All right. And Gina's like, I 
don't like whiskey sours anymore because I just want a penicillin. I'm like, that's my girl. So the first day we went to Kilholman and we went to Kalila, which are these two right here. Had to grab Glencairns and whiskey glasses for each. Those were super cool. Um, but I will say some of the um, – when I was traveling around and doing all these different distillery tours, I did find some disturbing information. These distilleries don't peat their stuff anymore themselves, which is very disheartening for a scotch lover. And I feel like I did know this, but I forgot about it when I was in the motherland. And when they told me, I was a little bit sad. So MGP here in the States is like the mass producer. And they basically provide whiskey to other distilleries in the States for them to blend and make their own. That's what a lot of this, like 92% of what you see on the shelf is an MGP product in Scotland. A lot of their peated products come from one place that they peat the barley themselves and then distribute it to the other places. So the, the distilleries are still using peated barley to make their stuff. They're not outsourcing, and bringing in liquid, they're bringing in just peated barley, which I guess makes it a little bit better. But a lot of them don't have peat fires going anymore, which is kind of sad for me. The only ones they did are Lagavulin for 30% of their products and Kilhoman. Those are the only two that actually still peat their stuff. You said for 32%? For 30, like around 30%. They still, okay. and they only do that for specific releases that say on the bottle. This is Lagavul, and it's it has some specific uh, like verbiage on the bottle that says this is a one hundred percent Lagavul and stuff. Okay, which makes me sad. But <clears throat> I found out that they basically a lot of them peat between they order the peat from this place anywhere between fifty and thirty five ppm, which is peated part per million. When I went to Ardbeg, and I have a sample of this inside, which I'm going to bring you for our next whiskey review. So we have this Ardbeg product. It's called Hypernova. Okay. Like I said, again, for anybody that wasn't paying attention, normal peated parts per million is between 50 to 35. Do you want to guess what this Ardbeg is that I'm going to have you try? Probably 56, 60%. 170. Stop. Dude, we're not going to be able to taste anything for the next four to seven business days. It's just going to fry our palates. Okay. It's 170 pita parts per million. That's going to be amazing. That's insane. Yes. They, the dude, like, I didn't buy it. I bought the Glenn Curran from there, but he gave me a little take-home thing because I was like, this is insane. Can I, like, have this? And he gave me a little take-home thing for free. Super cool. But so Kalila and Kilholman were the first two. Um, and then the next day was Lagavulin, Lafroig, and Ardbeg. Okay. And when I tell you going to Lagavulin was a dream come true, I am not kidding. We met with this guy. His name was Ian Ian MacArthur? Ian McCall? Something Ian. You met with Ian. Now, now I have to look it up because I feel like I'm doing him a disservice, even mm-hmm. though he's not watching this. Um, <clears throat> we met with Ian, who Ian, if you guys have watched Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec, uh, there is a 
scene of there where Nick Offerman goes to Lagavulin. So if you if you are a Parks and Rec fan, what's cool and kind of an interesting fact about that is they did not have a contract with Lagavulin to feature their whiskey. Nick Offerman just really likes Lagavulin, so he included the bottle in the episode because he just really appreciates the scotch. And from there, Nick Offerman formed a relationship with Lagavulin to continue doing these single barrel or one-off releases like the one that we have today, the Chardo Cask. So we met with Ian MacArthur. That's who it is. So Ian has been there for 40 years. And normally he doesn't do tours anymore because he's getting ready to retire. We heard multiple times throughout the trip that he is retiring this year. Um, that He was supposed to retire last year. He was supposed to retire the year before, but he just keeps doing it because he loves it so much. Right. And we were lucky enough to actually have Ian for our tour guide, which was sick. He's this short, leprechaun-y like dude. How did you get that? Was that planned? Was that just yeah, luck? Yeah, Harley planned it. But she said, so Harley in her e- her um, itinerary said, you're either going to get Ian or you're going to get someone else. So she didn't even know. Okay. But luckily we just had Ian that day. So he's this like five foot four, white haired, older dude. He's got like five teeth on his front, like top of his mouth. And he just loves whiskey and he's getting older and he's retiring. Um, but he was able to walk us through a tasting and a tour of Lagavulin. We tried Lagavulin 8, we had 16, we had 18, we had 20, and then he ended the tour with a Lagavulin 32, which when I tell you is the best thing I've ever tasted, that is the best thing I've ever tasted. I mean, we've kissed before, so True. that's also up there. <laughs> I would say that's Lagavulin 30 level. Not 32, but 30 level. Yeah, 30, 32 for sure. So... <laughs> That's awesome. So what was it like drinking Lagavulin 32? Is it super peaty? Is it really wood sugar? Is it almost crask because it's so old, like you're not getting the same elements you want to? Was it aged for too long? Um, What's the proof point? Like, spill the tea. So it was direct from the barrel, so there was no proof down. I think I want to say that that one was 114. Yeeks. I think. I could be wrong. So, Ian, if you're watching this, let us know below. But it was in 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 America when you have whiskey, and this is important to note when you're talking about bourbon because we, we've talked about this multiple times. To have bourbon, you need it to be more than 51% corn, 51% or more of corn. And corn is a lame grain to make whiskey with because it's not a flavoring grain. Right. So when you're aging something so long, when you have a 32-year-old Buffalo Trace or Pappy Van Winkler or something, basically all you're tasting is the barrel, which is very off-putting to a lot of people because the bar- wood doesn't taste great. Basically, in, in summation, it doesn't taste great. Right. So when you have scotch, which is still, yes, it's still not a flavoring grain with barley, but you introduce this aspect of peat, it gives you a completely different taste. And the barrel, whether it's... Um, I, I think that this one was a bourbon barrel. It took the harshness of the peat and the taste of Lagavulin and it just rounded it out and added like a vanilla caramel note to it. And that was pronounced by it being 32 years old. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Dude, it was so good. It wasn't as peaty and pungent as normal Lagavulin. It was more of like a, you're going to have this once, you're going to enjoy the hell out of it, but you're not going to have more than one glass because you appreciate the fact that this is so long to make. 32 years, I said that this dude was here for 40 years. He's only making one of these. I know. Like, that's crazy to think about. Now, how much of a pour did you get? One ounce, two ounce? Uh, like, probably one and a half to two ounce. That's awesome. Because what we did, so the, the entire distillery experience is we went in there with a thief ourselves and pulled stuff away. They they, It's kind of funny. So when we were in Scotland or when we were in Ireland, we took a thief, put our thumb on the top, pulled it out, put it in the glass, and then that was it. There, they call the thieves basically straws. So instead of using your thumb, you're using your mouth. So you go over there and you you like suck as much whiskey up into the thief as you can, and then you pour it out because that gives you more whiskey. So we had a ton of whiskey. Every single pour that we had when we were doing the tasting was at least an ounce. That's amazing. Which is so cool, especially when you're like here used to getting a little taste and it's like a little sip. Yeah. I <laughs> love... I loved the photo of you, like, nosing the cask, and I'm like, Derek's about to just jump in the barrel. Hell yeah. Like, he's so close. And that was at Kalila. Kalila was so cool, and they've gained so much more respect for my... They seemed like they had a really nice facility. And the shovel thing, yeah, you were shoveling the grain. Which grain was that? That was barley. Okay. Yeah, so we are just shoveling barley. Yep. And malted or unmalted? Uh, at that point, it was unmalted. No, that was malted. That was malted barley. It was malted? Yeah. Man. It was getting ready to germinate. Dude, barley smells so good. It was awesome. How was the smell when you walked into that room? Beautiful. And it was so much more pleasant and inviting than when you walk into like a distillery here. Well, I think a lot of that too is because we're, you're, I, I mean... St. Lawrence smelled amazing, but they were in the middle of distilling. You know, like when you walk into a distillery, unless they're distilling that day, like Hartman's is on Fridays, unless you're there that day, you're not going to get that same experience. You're just going to get kind of the after product or some of the cleaning products and things like that. I mean, that's kind of why the smell is distorted, but you're also... I don't know, dude. It's Scotland, for Christ's sake. I mean, Clonic Hilti smelled amazing. It did. And you go to Isla, and it smells like peat. So what I didn't know about Isla is... You're walking on peat the entire time? There's no roads. You're just on peat? So you're not far off. <laughs> because the entire island is peat moss. Oh, my God. There, there isn't fields of peat. It's peat. It's just the, the land is peat. The entire island is peat. So much so that they have to repave the roads every once in a while because the roads sink into the peat because peat moss is not good structurally. Yeah, right. It, well, it takes over. Right. Yeah. It consumes what it's around. So they have to repave the roads every once in a while because there's so many dips in the road. That was fascinating to me. And we're we're in the tuk-tuk with Callum, which, again, love the dude. I heard from him that he's selling the business. And I'm very sad because I'm I'm sad, but I'm also very thankful that I was able to be a part of it because not only did we, not only were we able to like 
have Calvin for one of our one of his last rides, but we were able to talk with Ian for one of his last tours. Like we had a we went at a perfect time to get a great experience. Just because we're talking about Lagavulin too, I was able to grab this beautiful Distillers Edition eight and this absolutely stunning presentation of this Lagavulin fourteen that I'm literally never opening. This thing is absolutely gorgeous, dude. The presentation of this, you can't find this in the States. This is distillery exclusive. And I'm like, I need this so bad. You don't even understand. You can't open that. I'm never opening this. I'm literally never opening this. It cost 220 pounds, I think, which is probably close to $250, $250. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not finding this here. Correct. These these are so stunning, and I love how I don't know if you can really see it on on the camera, but the label isn't their typical here. Let me parchment s- label. Try to slide it this way so I can get this like the camera that faces you to focus on I it. I can do it right here. Just so I'm not trying to slide it. No, that's so much worse. There it is. Yeah. Like this label is stunning i mean come on it the label and branding i mean bruh label and branding is so high on that i can't even i mean look at the box look at the packaging you'll touch my face bruh here i am (laughs) yeah it's absolutely stunning and i don't this was the best tour that we did just because of the whole interactiveness and the fact that it was lagavulin I got this cool little Lagavulin sweatshirt. Yo, that looks mad soft. Yo, it's soft, and it's cool because it has, like, the crest on it, and it doesn't really show whiskey, so Gina bought one, too. It's got a, uh, it's got the Lagavulin on the side of it, unlike the arm, which is kind of dope. But it was just, we wanted to commemorate this experience as much as possible, and I think we did just that. It, it was just a really surreal experience being there. The other thing that we did when, when we were in Isla is we went to, so... When you think of Scotch, Scotland in general, not Scotch, when you think of Scotland, what do you think of? When I think of Scotland, rain, golf, terrain, animals, whiskey, cold. Um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Think musical instruments and think attire. Musical instruments and think attire. Attire. So like clothing. Well, right. Yeah. Like jackets, pea coats, um, pants, kilts. things that are really good with weather. Kilts. Yeah, kilts, of course, for the historical aspect of it. And then for music, I would say bagpipes. There you go. Um, so those are the cool two things that we did when we were in Scotland. We learned how to play bagpipes, and we like went to this. I, I told Callum, I'm like, listen, the thing that I want to do the most in Scotland is get something that – is true tartan like give me something that is truly made here because it it was started here tartan was worn historically way back in time and then when england ended up taking over scotland they banned it after the battle of culloden they said you can't wear kilts because it's a symbol of the enemy basically because you were the enemy at one point which was insane to think about. They banned bagpipes. They banned kilts. They basically ruined the Scottish culture because they're 
you're England now. Well, the Brits suck. I'll be the first 100%. to say it. I won't be the last to say it. The Irish side of me can't stand them. I know, I know a couple dudes that are a hundred percent Irish and a hundred percent Scottish, different people, and they're all like, they're so anti UK. It's astounding. Because like, you it, can't, it's, yeah. And if you, as an American, and you're listening to them speak about the UK. They'll have a sentence, and you're sitting there listening to them, and you're like, is that racist? Like, there's a part of you that thinks, like, is that too much? Is it too extreme? And then you realize, like, no, there's just such a historically long, chronic disdain for their existence. And the, the only way for me to understand it was a great exercise that a really, really profound teacher, um, it was an exercise that a teacher did with us in middle school. They gave us all sticky notes, and each kid got a different number of sticky notes. I had like seven because I represented a country, mm-hmm. and I was able to run around and put my sticky note on this wall, on this chalkboard, on this map, and I'm just like, oh, that's mine now because my sticky note's on it, so it's mine. And the person with the UK sticky note stack had their sticky note all over the place because they were given like 50 sticky notes. Wow. And I'm like, well, that's not fair. Like, what? how come they got more sticky notes? And they said, this is to show you how much land that the UK took over and conquered. And I'm like, I don't like that. And then, and I'm in middle school. I don't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Yeah. And that was the point of the, the entire, uh, you know, thing, right? Like that was the point. And yeah. it was they were showing you how much land that was actually conquered by the British. And I don't blame anybody in Scotland one bit for hating the British. Yeah, no, not at all. Because, I mean, we we went to the Battle of Culloden, and for you being as in tune with military and just... Just history. Yeah, history in general. It was very fascinating. And one thing that I loved about that, like, historic site was... When you went to the Battle of Culloden, you went through a tour first that was documented of, like, weapons that they found. Because you're literally on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. They they turned the entire battlefield into a historic site, which is sick. Yeah. So they... It's like Gettysburg. They, yeah. So when you're walking through, you're getting views of, like, guns that they recovered, bullets that they recovered, all that stuff as you're going through. You walk into a movie theater that is surrounded. So there's multiple different viewing angles of like the north, the west, the south, and the east. So you're standing in the middle of this room surrounded by um, projection screens, and you can turn and look at different areas of the battlefield, like if you were standing right in the middle of the battlefield. Yeah. So you're looking straight ahead, and the movie starts, and you see the Brits, the English, come up to their front line, and they're there with their guns like super, super... um, Militaristic. Like stoic and militaristic and just like they're informed, they're super guided. They're like, this is what we're doing. Then you turn around and you see the Scot- the Scottish, the Highlanders, they're walking up, they're in kilts and they're ready. And they're actually extremely, extremely posed, like poised and ready for battle. When the English said they were basically just women because they were dressed in kilts. Like they were very like not presentable they were rough rugged they were like basically english for the longest time have been portraying the scots as like these random um delinquents that were just fighting 
with zero purpose and just off the wall, but they had a lot of training and it was cool to like see this part of it because English history would completely destroy that. But they were there with their guns and everything like that. And then you would just like walk around and like see all this stuff, see the battle happen. And then after you saw the video, you would go out onto the battlefield. And that's what we did. And the battlefield was lined with red flags for the where the British front lines were. And then lined with blue flags where the Scottish front lines were. It was super cool to see. You're standing at a blue flag and you're looking across the battlefield. And you're looking at the red flag, basically exactly where the British front line would be. It was just fascinating to be at. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. And it's super surreal because yeah. you're just like, damn, like this happened here. Yeah, and like going back to Outlander, part of the reason why that we would that we went was because of one, my fascination with whiskey, our love for Scottish culture, and then also because we watched Outlander. We went to a lot of different areas where Outlander filming locations were, especially around Edinburgh. We went to Lollybrook Castle. We went to um I forgot what the one castle was called, but basically Jamie's home and then the, another place that they filmed at. We went to a lot of filming locations. You touched the rocks, bro. We touched the rock. Well, they weren't the real rocks. There's a lot of standing stones and circles. In what do you mean the real rocks? The The rocks in the show were fake. They, they were like plaster rocks. They didn't actually, they weren't actually there. But Scott, Scotland in general had a lot of Neolithic standing stones to be able to see when, like, time of when the sun was setting and when the sun was rising. You don't like it? Hollywood ruined it. I know, right? Use the real goddamn thing. They're there. Right. Why would you make something out of plaster? And that's what I liked about the show is because even though that part was out of plaster, a lot of the other filming locations were real, which was sweet. Did you get, a, like, did you get queasy and, like, almost tearful when... You were on filming locations, and you realized, like, yo, the boy was here. Hell yeah! So hell yeah! That's this has happened a couple of times in my life. Not not a lot, like less than five, obviously. But I was, and it's it's mainly for like historic measures. Like yeah. I was in Auschwitz in Poland, um, did the full tour for Auschwitz one and two with Birkenklau, and then a couple different filming locations for different movies. And I'm sitting there thinking about the people that, like, I not just like look up to right but like have a respect for would love to meet one day yeah. and i'm like they stood here like that's john krasinski was one because i seen his office when they were filming right. a quiet place too so i had to sign an nda at the time to like see it all and like see the floor of the building and all that but i'm just like this is wild to me because like yo the dude's here like this is crazy yeah. and you see his name tag and you're like okay it's like executive producer John Krasinski and you see his office and you're just like looking you're like yo his ass is in that chair yeah, bro right. and you're thinking of like the weird things that like no one thinks of but like it's really impactful yeah. and it's kind of um what's the dude's name that play, that plays Ben Wyatt in real life what's his name um Adam Scott or something like that. yeah Adam Scott yeah. so Scott when he met um when he met Anakin Skywalker or whatever for the first time on that daily night show he his hand was like shaking because it was like a childhood it was a, a lifelong dream of yeah. his to meet the character and like meet the actual actor and he finally met him and he's literally shaking and he's like this is this is real yeah he literally said on air he's like this is one of the best moments of my entire life like thank you to everyone involved in this like i 
I obviously am a massive Star Wars fan, but like you guys all made this happen. Like I just I I'm at a loss for words. And then he basically just like sat there and he's like fighting back tears because and that's when you realize like everyone's human. Right. So the fact that you had that experience where, I mean, dude, the buildup for this trip was so long. Yeah. And it finally happened. Like, you guys finally got married. You finally went on a honeymoon. You finally did the thing. And, like, you're there. You're drinking whiskey. You're seeing Outlander in real life. You're there. Like, Jean is touching the stones, and you're taking the photo, and it's on her story. Like, all that stuff. And, like, everyone's parents are just so happy for you guys. Like, it was just so cool. And now we're sitting here drinking Lagavulin 11, which is chump change, bro. Yeah, oh, yeah. Chump change. Like, who get You drink it. Who cares? I drank Lagavulin 32. <laughs> like, that's the shit that makes this amazing. Yeah. I'm so happy for you guys. It I was just, so much fun. The The last thing that we, we really wanted to do, well, again, we kind of went backwards a little bit because this was a, definitely a highlight of my trip. But one of the things in why I kind of asked you, what you think of when you think of Scotland is one bagpipes, and we learned how to play bagpipes, which is sick. We actually found a Scottish artist when we were sitting in a um, in a tavern in um, I forgot what the town's called. The, the towns are all super weirdly named because it's like their accent. I forgot <laughs> what it's called, but um, an artist in what like music, visual mu- music, artist. Music. Okay, so we're sitting in this pub and we're hearing this song played, and. The, the song is a super prevalent song about drug abuse, and there's bagpipes in the background from this band called the Red Hot Chili Pipers. That's what they call them. That's themselves. awesome. Yeah, because they're super bagpipe-focused. And Gene and I immediately fall in love with this whole artist, and we've been listening to him ever since. Super cool. Tom Walker, if you haven't heard of it, the song's called Leave a Light On. Highly suggest listening to it. It's a very powerful song, and the bagpipes with it is just, just makes it, puts it over the top. But the other part of uh, learning bagpipes and after that was I wanted to find something that was made in Scotland a tartan that was made in Scotland so I bought this hat which I'm not like I'm not super into hats but I just wanted to buy a, a cap that looks like you went to every local brewery in your right. small town yeah. and you're 34 years old with a weird beard so this was made at the island woolen mill okay and it's actually the island woolen mill is super fascinating because they're, they hand make all this stuff. We were able to talk to the dude. Should I put this on? Yeah, do it. I, it'll be way too big for you because it's it's fit for me. But the... Uh, Pure new wool. They literally make it there. The dude gave us a tour of their wooling machine. And he's like, this is where all the threads come in and this is how we make this shit. Dude, it's absolutely wild. I'm too poor for this hat. Dude, right? It's so cool. When would I wear this? Golfing. Go- so, like, do- so. Well, you know, golfing because- like people going out. Like, when? Yeah. What's the normal casual attire for this hat? Well, your do I your sister's do- husband wears it all the time. He's different. He's different. <laughs> He's different. So, is it? Do I like tip my hat to women? Basically, yeah. You can do whatever you want. In that can hat. I do a Tom and Jerry flip up the hat Hell and yeah. just be like, hey, hey, <laughs> look at this thing. It's pretty sweet, right? This is fit for you, huh? Yeah, hell yeah. I got a big head. No lice for me, so you're good. Hell yeah, I love that. Well, I got lice, so now you have it. <laughs> so the the cool thing, I gotta, can you touch my face? Because I feel like I'm a little out of focus. I feel like Log Vulan is still in focus here. Love that. Well, welcome back. So the cool thing about Island Woolen Mill, which I told Callum, which again, I love Callum 
we're we're Facebook friends. We'd message all the time. It's not a big deal. But uh, <laughs> so I told Callum, I'm like, listen, I want to get true tartan. I want to buy something that has significance in Scottish history, not just something that is in the city of Edinburgh that was made in China. But this is tartan. This is what the Scot like. I didn't want any of that. I went to a store in Glasgow and I saw on the back that it was made in Scotland, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm I'm not I'm not doing this whole made in or it was made in China. I'm like I'm not doing this. I, I want something that was made in Scotland. So he's like, I know the perfect place for you, Isla Woolen Mill. They were actually contracted to make the tartan that was used in um, the war. No, it was uh, the movie with uh, what's his face. I I fucking looked this up right before I came here because. I mixed the two movies up. It was Braveheart. That's what it is. Oh, nice. So yeah, this is the actual tartan that they used in Braveheart. This is sick. Let dude. me touch this, dude. So I bought a scarf from their, um, from their tartan that they made. So this Isla Woolen Mill, which is literally a mother. Oh, it's so soft. A, a, a woman, her husband, and their <sighs> son make all this shit. So when Braveheart was made. They released. They reached out to the Isla Woolen Mill and said, "I want a tartan for us to wear, like this entire clan to wear." Fascinating. So That's I, I so bought soft. It. It's really cool. So this was made. Do they have in like Isla. an online store? I don't know. I don't know. But they have a ton of different like. <clears throat> so the interesting thing about tartan, which I'm going to go down super long rabbit holes here, but tartan was actually made in 1800s. The clans back in the day when they were fighting the Brits did not have tartan. <coughs> they did, but they didn't have like a clan tartan. Right now, you see, you can go on and you can see like the um, McTavish tartan, and you can see the like the different family clan their tartan that wasn't real. So every clan back in the day, they would signify their importance of the clans. Like if you had a clan leader, he would signify his importance by having different types of tartan because the more types of tartan you had, the more expensive they were, which means the more money you had. So when you look up and you see like the um, McTavish tartan, that's not real. They just made that in the 1800s to basically say, this is your family, this is the type of tartan that you would have worn. But that's Damn. not true. Dude, I'm so happy for you. Yeah, so like this is actually, I didn't want to get a family tartan because one, I'm not Scottish. Right. And two, they weren't real. But this one was pretty cool because I've seen the movie Braveheart. I love the movie Braveheart. And it's just really cool that this woolen mill actually made every single garment for them. Mm -hmm. And one of the actors from the woolen mill actually went back to or one of the actors from Braveheart went back to the woolen mill in his full garb that they made for him like 30 years before. And he's like, you guys made this. I just wanted to come here and like show you this is still around in my house. Super <laughs> sick. So we talked a lot about my honeymoon because obviously it was, it was a huge part of my life. And I really have been dying to go to Scotland. And this was a sweet opportunity for me to go. So hopefully you guys enjoyed all this episode. It, it was just surreal for me to be there. How was Gina during the whole trip? How was it traveling with Gina internationally? Was this the first time, the second time? Different than traveling with you. Why? She's more calm. It's not that I'm not calm. <laughs> me, here's here's the problem with me and you traveling together. And it's not a problem. It's just me and you <laughs> being together. We both hate being late to things. 
and we're so structured and rigid, that is why our wives are our wives. That's why the housewives are what they are, because they literally balance us out. When I travel with Colleen, she calms me down as best as she can. You know, me and you are just like, let's get to the gate. Yeah, right. We'll race there, and then we'll decompress. It's like, okay, we don't have that calming voice in the back of our, you know, in the back of our heads hitting us saying like, yo, dude. We're already at the airport. Yeah, the gate's fine. not far away. It's going to be okay. You, you don't have to check to make sure it's there. It's fine. It's right. there. Right. Yeah, yeah. The gate didn't get up and leave. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, it's... So she was fun? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was fun. She. Part of it was... I'm going to say it again, and people think that this is an endorsement for it, and I, I promise they don't sponsor this, but you should use a travel agency. If you're local in Buffalo, use Toka. I'm just going to say it. Can she be on? We're yes. like best friends now, so I'll just message her and be like, you, she's, you need to be on. Because she's, she's a sweetheart. And she's she like my sister. I, we, I've I've been talking to her before I went on my honeymoon about being on with her and Terry. Yeah. So it's, Yes. And that's what makes things so much more relaxed. So if you are a stressful person or you do tend to be on the side of being like like you and I were in Ireland, like we have to be there at this time. We have to do this. We have to do that. Is you If you work through Toka Travel, they will tell you that you need to be here then and then you just work towards that. It's not stressful at all. Everything's planned. And even if you are late, that's fine because they built that in. Correct. Correct. Me and Colleen were never late, just so you know. Oh, 100%. And I Gina assume you and Gina were never late. But, yeah, there's – yeah, they have contingencies built in, which makes me super happy. But I'm I'm very grateful you heeded my advice, especially when it comes to international travel. Yeah. If you're within the country, I get it. If you're going overseas, get help. It doesn't make sense to take that much workload onto your shoulders when you're trying to enjoy a vacation. And even that – so Scotland, and I'm sure Greece too, but Scotland – we were talking to Callum about crime in Scotland just mm-hmm. because, I mean, we were in a two, two going 25 miles an hour down, like, uh, the c- complete length of Isla. So we had a lot of time to talk. So I was talking to him about crime in Scotland, and he said, since Scotland or since Isla was formed, we've had one murder. That's it. And it's, like, 70, like, a ton of time. And he's like, we've had one murder. There's just no crime in Scotland. Which is pretty crazy. But when you are traveling, it does help to know somebody in the area or at least somebody that's an expert of the area to tell you what area is safe. That alone is enough to use a travel agent because I'm sure Greece probably was a little bit safe. But if you go to other countries that aren't necessarily as safe, you could be booking a hotel in an area that you shouldn't be booking a hotel in. Yeah, Greece is very safe. However, there's elements where you need to keep your guard up. I mean, if it's after 10 o'clock, things are getting weird. A lot of alcohol is involved. There's different personalities. Humans are humans. Yeah. Like, you always – it's it's not about is this area safe or not? Do I have to get my guard down? As, as you – I mean, my advice to anybody traveling nationally, internationally, my advice is always keep security – at the forefront of your mind, know where fire exits are, just yep. in case anything does happen. Outside of crime, fires happen. If you're inside of a building and a fire starts inside that building, you want to know how to get out. Right. Even at concerts, that's a that's a serious thing. So in in my mind, I've always focused on security being first lesson always. It's it's a coined phrase, yep. but it's true and regardless of where you are in the world, and I 
I've been to a lot of different places in a lot of different time periods. Like it's, it doesn't matter. Like you have to protect you at the end of the day because right. you want to live a long life. And it's not about crime. It's not about guns. It's not about drugs. It's literally just about having situational awareness in all situations. And it's good to understand and know what's what, where you are. And asking those questions doesn't mean you come from a traumatized place or a country or politics. It's it, like, screw all that. That doesn't matter. Right. Like, just because we have school shootings in America doesn't mean that when you're traveling on vacation, you don't think about security. And if you do think about security, you're wrong or something's wrong with you sure. or that's an impact of the world. Like, just stop all that nonsense. It's security first lesson always for you, your loved ones, and those who you're with. And if you're not if you're not spry, if you're not up, you know, on the up and up, that's on you. Like, right. it's it's not wrong to think about security. Well, that is today's episode. So thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will and be having Harley on in the future. Ending it real hot. But, yeah, I mean, that's hot. that's a real yeah. – that's that's the world. But, yeah, I mean, I am so glad you had Toka um, backing you, and I'm glad everything went as smooth as it possibly could, mm-hmm. all things considered. I mean, 700 miles with no hiccups, and right. you came back. I mean, that's – Jesus, dude, that's a testament in, in, of, its, in of itself. So I just – I'm so glad, dude. And now we're back. Now we can, uh, you know, do what we want to do when we want to do it. Right. There's no stress. There's no. There's no big push. You know, we got some stuff in the works. We're doing what we can. And I'm. I'm. I'm so pumped to just continue drinking with you, man. Oh yeah, love that. So if you did enjoy today's episode, please let us know in the comments down below. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. And always, if you're drinking along with us, please remember always drink responsibly. Be a good person. And Michael, do not litter. We're out. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.